This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 139. Submission number 1911. To Tell the Truth, the 1980 version. To Tell the Truth 80 aired in syndication from September 8th, 1980 to June 12th, 1981 for 39 weeks of episodes. Number one, what is your name, please? My name is David Swerdlow. Number two. My name is David Swerdlow. And number three. My name is David Swerdlow. Only one of these people is the real David Swerdlow and has sworn to tell the truth! columnist and critic Rex Reed, psychotherapist and writer for Glamour magazine, Stephanie Cook, the host of TV's The Match Game, Gene Rayburn, the star of musical comedy films and stage, Sally Ann Howes, that's our panel! And here's the host of To Tell the Truth, Robin Ward! To Tell the Truth is, for all intents and purposes, a classic. One of those panel games that stands the test of time, as evidenced by the current panel on ABC Tuesday nights. And I'll tell you right now, say what you will, but that show is awesome. Oh, yeah. Well, you, can, you can keep This Is Us. I'm watching To Tell the Truth on Tuesdays. Yeah. You're watching it for Anthony Anderson, baby. Yeah, right. Where... And his mama. Don't yeah. forget his mama. But they didn't have Anthony Anderson in 1980. No. They didn't have Alex Trebek in 1980. They didn't even have Lynn Swan in 1980. No, I'm guessing Bud Collier's long since dead. Yeah. Lynn Swan would probably be still playing for the Steelers, I think. Uh, Yes. And Gordon Elliott would still be in Australia. Was it Australia? He would still be not in America right now. No, he would be in Australia, I believe. Yes. Yeah, he'd be in Australia. So, who did they get to host to tell the truth? Robin Ward? Who'd that guy be? No, seriously. Canadian. No, he, he, he did hosting gigs in Canada. He's not a nobody, necessarily. Maybe a nobody to America. But he had some uh, hosting gigs in uh, in Canada land. Well, he did have hosting in Canada. Here's the thing. He was also, he was an entertainment reporter, a weatherman, and was on the Guiding Light. What? What? He was on the Guiding Light? Well, apparently, you know, Wikipedia says so. He was on my stories, y'all. Yeah, but besides, uh, to tell the truth, really the only game show that he was known for was, and this actually is a Canadian classic, called Guess What? It ran Guess for what? Four years. Yeah, Guess What? It, it was a, a trivia game show uh, with uh, families, like, like three family members and 
it was basically a giant multiple choice quiz. They had like six choices to begin with. And, and you just like went from player to player on alternating teams until somebody got it right for a lowering number of points. And it's very Canadian. Let's just say that. It's not as Canadian as just like mom and dad, but yeah. But no, anybody who grew up in Canada uh, in the mid eighties or even had access because we here, we could pull in some TV stations from, uh, from Canada, from Windsor and London. And yeah, it, it was uh, definitely a thing that I saw back in the uh, mid eighties off the rabbit ears. Okay. Well, the game itself is as it always has. And that would be three people assuming the identity of one central figure who is sworn to tell the truth. And the panel has to figure out who's telling the truth and who are the two imposters. Seriously, it's classic. It's not hard to figure out. But this game had a bit of a twist, and I believe it's the first time that to tell the truth was actually uh, twisted. Well, depending on what your definition of twisted is. Late in the CBS run, the original run in the late 60s, they actually introduced audience voting and they would have a, a fifth vote in effect towards the result. Ah. So th- that might be the only deviation, at least in the, uh, the first, what have you, 25 years of the series, 23 years of the series? Yeah, we have all that. But on this one, on this version, there was... An extra game, because there was time for two games, and then there was a third bonus game, and this would be the first time that it was ever introduced in the format, called the one-on-one game, where the imposters from both games played against each of the panelists, because one of the four imposters had another story. Panelists ask a series of questions to the imposter directly across from them, hence the name, one-on-one, and after 20 seconds, they had to guess whether or not the story belonged to that imposter. You know who I bet loved this segment? Who? Hall and Oates. Get it? Because they had a song called One-on-One. One-on-one. Yeah. And we should add that in uh, the 1990 version, there was a segment called one-on-one, but it was totally different. It was played with one audience member, and uh, actually the announcer, Burton Richardson, sort of hosted this segment, or at least was like holding the microphone for the, uh, for, for the audience player. And uh, they just had to decide if a certain person was either profession A or had a secret A or had secret B. For, uh, I believe it was $500. Yes. And it was played for $500 here, too. Well, up to $500. Because each incorrect vote was worth $100 to the team, and a complete stop of the panel was worth $500 to the team. And that was basically the show. You had uh, the panel, you had the games. It was all very much aplomb, but they sexed it up for the uh, post-disco 1980s. Yeah, you have a lot of red and you have a lot of flashing lights. And the cool neon glow of the logo. 
Oh, that's nice. Yes, I that, love that logo. That, that 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 is a very slick logo. Very eighties or early eighties, I should say. The only but thing, it's a very oh, slick logo. Oh yeah, the only thing you were missing was some sort of little. Uh, you can't see this because I'm on Zoom, but that thing. You know what that thing is? The classic finger cross. But then again, it's nineteen eighty. You don't need that much. Well, also, I think they're going for something a little different, a little new, a little fresher. And this is definitely a deviation from the 70s version, which would have been canceled, for lack of a better word, two years earlier, because it ended in 78 with Joe Garagiola. Yeah, and the people who were behind the 70s version were behind this one. You had Gil Bates' executive producer, and it was yeah. all centered around New York. It was They shot it at NBC. It was basically the same show, only a whole lot, a lot less blue and a whole lot more red. And the announcer for this version of To Tell the Truth Which was I the announcer alluded. on the final season of the 70s version, Alan Coulter. The first half of the season, anyway. The second was actually announced by Bill Wendell. Oh, that's right. So you had both Letterman announcers on this. Both version. Letterman announcers. Big Red, love it. Only in this case, it was reversed. Bill Wendell appraised Alan Coulter as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> I guess Bill Wendell needed something to do after Dave's morning show got canceled. Well, he couldn't do Las Vegas Gambit. For obvious reasons. Yeah. It's Las Vegas Gambit Show. <laughs> On NBC. Anyway. Hey, no more about Harv Bennett. Oh, I mean Harv Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, who were the panelists on this show? Because you had, like, a whole bunch of people who were, you know, known commodities in the game show world. But at the same time, you sort of had people who may have been on the up-and-coming, let's see. And you also had people who were, you know, because it's to tell the truth, you have the uh, New York social scene, let's say. Yeah. Like, uh, the pilot, the panel was Pat Collins, John Wade, Stephanie Cook, and Joel Siegel. Now, I know who Joel Siegel is. Yes. Legendary film critic for ABC. Yes. Pat Collins, I... I believe she was a gossip columnist. I think she worked at WWOR. Yeah, she was an entertainment editor and film critic for uh, WWOR. And she won two local Emmys. And John Wade, if I'm not mistaken... Is an off no no. I think he's a newscaster. Now, yeah, John Wade was a radio personality in Pittsburgh, I believe. Yeah, and he was on the regular series. Yeah. About Pat Collins. Yeah. Her husband, and this is a name, and, and I know a lot of people know who this name is, Joe Raposo. Oh, I oh. know who Joe Raposo is. Yeah. Oh, he did like all the music for Sesame Street in the seventies and eighties. And, of course, I believe wrote the song It's in Every One of Us. Yeah, renowned composer. I mean, hasn't been with us for over Rainbow years. Connection. God, I love it. You know, one of his oh, best songs, The First Time It Happens, for the great Muppet Caper. Oh, he did all the good music. Yes. 
the rainbow connection. It ain't easy being green. C is for cookie. Oh my gosh. Classics, at least from my childhood. And the fourth chair was Stephanie Cook, who was a New York-based author. So this is basically very highbrow, but with chasing lights all over the place. But lest you think it's totally highbrow, here's the first week of panelists. Pat Collins was brought in, and John Wade was brought in, and then you have Nipsey Russell. Oh, yeah. Nipsey Russell. My man! Yep. Bay told some great poems. Oh, yeah. And also Margaret Trudeau. Oh, yeah. Because you know who her famous son is. That would be Justin Trudeau, the current Prime Minister of Canada. Yes, because she was married to Pierre Trudeau, who back then was the current Prime Minister of Canada. And I, I bet you Robin and Margaret shared stories between the breaks. Yeah. All right. Week two was Joel Siegel, Gene Marsh, noted British thespian. One note about Gene Marsh is she played Sarah Kingdom on Doctor Who in the William Hortnell 12-part epic serial, The Daleks Master Plan, back in 1965. Gene Rayburn... Uh, who would be doing the match game in syndication at the time. Yes. And the Grand Dame of To Tell the Truth. And if you don't know who this lady is, what podcast are you even listening to? Well, if, you're not, if you don't know who she is, you can go to hell. Kitty Carlisle, come on! Kitty Carlisle, the great Kitty Carlisle. Oh, God. Again, the Grand Dame. Of To Tell the Truth, the only person who was on every version of To Tell the Truth from its inception to 2002, the only reason why she was not on the panel with Anthony Anderson is because she would have been dead for nine years. We haven't perfected the cyborg technology yet. Well, we've tried uh, getting that technology to work, Chico. Let's remember the episode of The Simpsons titled Bart Gets Famous. You did have the vivacious head of Kitty Carlisle on the panel of Match Game 2034. Hi, everybody. Let's start the game. Ah! Knocks over the vivacious head and it it breaks. (laughs) I didn't do it. (laughs) <laughs> Only I may dance. Oh, another Conan O'Brien reference. Nicely there done. You, there you go. Week three has Rex Reed, Stephanie Cook, Gene Rayburn, and Sally Ann Howes, another noted British thespian who. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. She was in. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang in 1968 as truly scrumptious. Well, this was a Cubby Brackley production, so you know he loved those pun names involving... Yeah. And of course, Rex Reed. Again, the poor man's Joel Siegel. What can I say? Hey, Rex Reed. A legend. But 
you know, don't just keep him away from Jay Sherman if he wants the co-host gig. Oh no 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 no! <laughs> and also keep him away from the tobacco. Week four, we have the return of Nipsey Russell and the return of Kitty Carlisle. We also have Gordon Jump. And, yeah, you know, Gordon Jump, he would have been doing WKRP at the time. Also, he owned a bicycle shop on different strokes. Yeah. We don't talk about that. Hey, stay the hell away from that bike shop. And model and actress from Montreal, Tew Leak. Well, and around that time, she would have been a co-host on That's My Line, the Bob Barker sort of take on uh, on real people. Oh, yeah. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. yeah, because at this time, uh, everybody was trying to sort of get around the whole uh, Actors Guild strike. So we have real people on NBC, That's Incredible on ABC, and That's My Line on CBS. Two of these shows would go on to long and fruitful lives. One second, CBS. Well, the most memorable thing that came out of That's My Line was that one segment with the amazing Randy. I remember that segment. Oh, that's brilliant. That That is a great segment. Yes. I'm going to put that on the list. I, don't, I'm gonna put I that think it my... might already be on okay, there. Okay, That's My Line is... Well, That's My Line might already be on the list, but... yeah. Week five, Nipsey Russell, Pat Collins, Kitty Carlisle, and in seat three, Soupy. Soupy Sales. Hey, hey, Greg. Yeah. Greg? Yeah. Harry's got a great takeout business. Oh, he's got a great takeout business. <laughs> takeout take business. business. <laughs> and, and Mike's just. Shaking, shaking his head. Like, I saw it coming from a mile away, and you still did it. No, yeah. got to give the people what they want. Week six, Soupy Sales returns, and three new faces to this version. We have Peggy Cass. If you don't know who Peggy Cass is, what podcast? Are you yeah. Listening to? Fanny Flag, who would of course, be known as an actress and author at this time. And a man whose, whose 101st birthday was yesterday as we record this, the one, the only, William Lawrence Francis Cullen. Oh, yeah. We covered his 100th birthday last year. But, yeah. Week seven, we have the return of John Wade and Bill Cullen. We would also have Polly Bergen returning after a long absence and a new face on the panel, Susan Lucci. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know who Susan Lucci is, are you alive? Are you under a rock? What? Come on. Come on. Talk to me here. You obviously need to know something. Yeah, you never watched All My Children. You don't know. Week 8, Soupy Sales and Peggy Cass return with Jay Johnson and Lynn Redgrave. I believe this would be one of Lynn Redgrave's first panel shows, or first game show appearances. Yeah. Because, you know, she lived on the Pyramid set. Yeah, and we already talked about her on Go. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jay Johnson 
I, he was high on soap at the time. And I was about to say he was on he was on soap at the time. Yeah, soap would have been going into its final season at this point. Yep. Yeah. Okay, week nine. My man, Nipsey, and Kitty, and we have two new faces. Rita Moreno, who, come on, needs no introduction. What hasn't she done? What hasn't she done? She's still doing stuff. She's an EGOT winner. She's an EGOT. She was Justina Machado's mama on one day at a time. Come on. And Dick Van Patten, who would be two years removed from Eight is Enough and another seven years before Spaceballs. Don't ask why Spaceballs was released four years after Return of the Jedi, people. It t- hey, genius takes time. What what I'm looking for is the sequel, The Search for More Money. Oh, we've been waiting for that for like 34 years. <laughs> Come on. Someone has to write a Spaceballs sequel. We need that money. You're killing me, Smalls. Okay, week... Ten, Soupy Sales, John Wade, and Pat Collins are joined by Laney O'Grady, who would also be two years removed from Eight is Enough. Week 11, Soupy Sales, Fanny Blagg, and Peggy Cass would be joined by Robert Mandan, who, of course, would be doing soap at this time. Yep, Chester. Chester Tate. Week 12, we have Nipsey Russell, Lynn Redgrave, Gordon Jump, and Kitty Carlisle. Vivacious head and all. Week 13, Bill Cullen, T.U. Leak, John Wade, and Peggy Cass. Week 14, Bill Cullen, Pat Collins, and Polly Bergen would be joined by Dick Clark. That was a surprise for me. A welcome surprise, but a surprise nonetheless. I know you would be doing Pyramid, but I, I don't think I've ever seen Dick Clark do a Goodson Tottman show. Well, right? he did well, he did host Missing Links back in the 60s. Oh, that's probably why, because I haven't seen that show. But yeah, he would have been doing $50,000 Pyramid at this time, former subject of this very podcast. Yes. Week 15, we have Soupy Sales, Lynn Redgrave, and Kitty Carlisle joined by Barry Nelson. Who we already talked about in the Ropers. Because he was also the first guy to play James Bond. Oh, boy. No, he he wasn't James. He He was was Jimmy Jimmy Bond. He was Jimmy Bond. Week 16, John Wade, Pat Collins, Joel Siegel, and Peggy Cass. And week 17, we have Soupy Sales, John Wade, Peggy Cass, joined by Marianne Mobley. Week 18, Nipsey Russell, Soupy Sales, and Fanny Blagg are joined by Anita Gillette. Who's done, like, everything over the last, what, 40, 50 years? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. Okay, Greg, are you ready for this one? I'm ready. Week 19, Soupy Sales, Benny Flag, and Peggy Cass are joined by 
Tom Seaver. Oh, that is okay. Terrific. That's a surprise. That is that ter- is a surprise. That but is again, ter- upper echelon ter- of New York society. That is terrific. No pun intended, because yeah. Obviously, but well, he would have been traded to the Reds by this he would, time, wouldn't he? He, he yeah. would have been traded to the Reds. Thanks a lot, M. Donald Grant, and thanks a lot, Dick Young, freaking a holes. But, but he did come back to the Mets in '83 for that one season before he got claimed by the White Sox off waivers. And by the way, speaking of the Chicago White Sox, we'll be talking about someone who was involved with the White Sox on this show in a bit. Ah, I see where you're going. But but it's interesting, you know, talking about New York society and where Tom Seaver's on the panel. Well, problem is he's uh, living in uh, Cincinnati at this point. I bet he probably still had like an apartment or a house in New York. Well, he was at least playing or representing Cincinnati. Hmm. So, well, he had people playing representing Canada. Yeah. Okay, so week 20, we have Nipsey Russell, Polly Bergen, and Kitty Carlisle joined by Henry Morgan, who's just an old hat at this sort of thing. Seriously. he was, Yeah, but, uh, and he was, he was the, the curmudgeonly type on these shows. He, was he always came across as a curmudgeon on, on I've Got a Secret. He was the OG, man. He was the lovable curmudgeon. Yep. Week 21. Panelists were Gordon Jump, Peggy Cass, Jay Johnson, and Kitty Carlisle. Week 22, Nipsey Russell, Anita Gillette, John Wade, and Kitty Carlisle. Just a heads up, you're going to be hearing a lot of the same names uh, from this point on. But no, I'm just taking a look ahead. I think week 26 is our next original name or or person who hasn't been on the cast or the panel previously. Week 22. Nipsey Russell, Anita Gillette, John Wade, and Kitty Carlisle. Week 23, Soupy Sales, Pat Collins, Dick Clark, and Peggy Cass. Greg, that is actually your uh, Zoom background, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. I ducked my head. That is from week 23. Yes. Because I see... uh, You see Soupy, you see Dick. I see Soupy, Dick, and Pat Collins. I only picked the best. Damn right you do. Week 24, Nipsey Russell, Pat Collins, Tom Seaver, and Kitty Carlisle. Week 25, Soupy Sales, Anita Gillette, Gene Rayburn, and Kitty Carlisle. Week 26, Nipsey Russell, Soupy Sales, and Polly Bergen are joined by Carol Shelley. Who'd that girl be? From Truth by Consensus Wikipedia, Carol Shelley was a British-American actress who made her career in the United States. Her many stage roles included Gwendolyn Pigeon in The Odd Couple, the character of Madame Morelby in the original Broadway cast of the musical Wicked, and she won the Tony Award for Best Actress on the Play for her performance in The Elephant Man in 1979. Because, you know, we got to keep this show highbrow. Oh, hold on. Did we talk about Polly Bergen yet? We mentioned her name a few times. Why? Oh, because in one episode, Alan Coulter mentions that Polly Bergen is going to be appearing in the upcoming miniseries, The Winds of War. <laughs> now, remember, well, it'll, it'll be coming up in about three years. Yeah, or but two remember, years. 
the Winds of Wars production took like four or five years. So that's yeah. probably why Alan Coulter said that. It was upcoming, all right. As a matter of comparison, how long did it take Ward Remembrance to be produced? I don't know. Probably the same length. Because well, I think it was like 88, 89 it aired. Yeah, I'll look that up later. And also, just for comparison, how long did it take for The Winds of Whoopi to be produced? <laughs> uh, six minutes. It would have been... It would have been less, but Steve Martin had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I had to ask. <laughs> and, and now we're going to get Greg oh, laughing for 20 I'm minutes. <laughs> Week 27. Nipsey Russell, Anita Gillette, Gene Rayburn, and Polly Bergen. Week 28, Soupy Sales, Anita Gillette, Jay Johnson, and Pat Collins. Week 29, Soupy Sales, Carol Shelley, Tom Seaver, and Kitty Carlisle. I, I find it weird that Tom Seaver's on so many weeks. Now, obviously, this was done outside the baseball season. Obviously. But, 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 but yeah, I just find it hard, not necessarily hard to believe, but kind of interesting that he uh, appeared on so many weeks. Well, I'm looking at the dates of when this aired, and I'm thinking to myself, this was like right before Pitchers and Catchers, so he had the time. So yeah, if you look at it, Tom Seaver around this point, he probably had mid-October of 1980 to probably mid to late February of 81 uh, available. So he had plenty of time. Oh yeah, he had nothing but time. Week 30... Nipsey Russell, Carol Shelley, Soupy Sales, and Pat Collins. Week 31, Soupy Sales, Pat Collins, Henry Morgan, and Peggy Cass. Week 32 would be Nipsey Russell, Marsha Rod, Rex Reed, and Kitty Carlisle. Marsha Rod, she is an actress. She was doing MASH at the time. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, she was on Broadway too. Week 33, Soupy Sales, Anita Gillette, John Wade, and Kitty Carlisle. Week 34, Soupy Sales, Carol Shelley, Rex Reed, and Kitty Carlisle. Week 35, Nipsey Russell, Polly Bergen, John Wade, and Kitty Carlisle. Week 36, Soupy Sales, Anita Gillette, Rex Reed, and Pat Collins. Week 37, Soupy Sales, Marsha Rod, John Wade, and Carol Shelley. Week 38, Nipsey Russell, Anita Gillette, Rex Reed, and Peggy Cass. And the final week, Nipsey Russell, Carol Shelley, Soupy Sales, and Kitty Carlisle. So yeah, they did their best to live up to the high expectations of such a storied franchise. This is where we put in the gif of Bart Simpson holding the cake that said, at least you tried. Yeah. But no, they, they did try. It, it, from what I'm seeing, it looked like the clearances were a big issue. Because uh, taking a look at the cities where it aired, it didn't air in Cleveland. Not that I'd remember that much from... 41 years ago at this point but yeah cleveland is at the time i think was like the 15th biggest market and you know all it takes is a couple of big markets not uh 
buying into the show for it to uh, to fail or not last long. Yeah, and I'm looking at some of these markets. And you have a combination of the great, the legacy stations from New York and Los Angeles. And then you had pretty much every field communications station that existed in the 80s, which would have ultimately bought out by uh, Metro Media to fill in the gaps for Fox and UPN and the like. On the Mark Goodson wiki, the lowest market they have is Reading, Pennsylvania. But we did have a number of famous people show up as subjects on this show. Yes. And really, the the list of names is is pretty amazing. Oh, yes. Some people who were very famous at the time, but maybe you didn't know their face. Some people who'd be famous a little later in life for different reasons. And I know Greg got got a partial list of those uh, folks. Yes. So first we have... Tom McKee. Oh, who that guy be? No, I'm kidding. I know who that well, guy we, be. Well, we know who he is, but... Uh, I think I should play be. this right now. <laughs> That's who Tom McKee is. He heard that a lot. Yeah, he heard that 70s. almost 50 times. Yeah. Let me, let me put it this way. Tom McKee was, in 1980, Ken Jennings before Ken Jennings. Yeah. Yeah. And a, a funny thing you mentioned, they would actually meet Tom McKee and Ken Jennings in a, I don't, I'm not sure if this is a future entry, but GSN's Grand Slam. No, you're not doing Grand Slam over no, my dead not. body. No, no, no. That was a good show. And we're, we have enough of Dennis Miller on the list already. True. But yeah, Ken Jennings and Tom McKee would actually be in the Grand Slam tournament of where you have like all the great game show players and then one person who won Lingo. For some reason. Corporate service! And of course, Tom McKee, if I didn't mention it, was the biggest super champ on Tic-Tac-Doe. Won $300,000, so... And a 43-game winning streak, which was unmatched until Ken Jennings had the famous 74-game winning streak in 04 on Jeopardy. Yep. Okay, so the second famous subject, Chuck Jones. If you don't know who this person is, we cannot be friends. We cannot help you. We can't help you. But one of the legendary cartoonists of all time. Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry, uh, Ricky Ticky Tabby. Oh my god. He did everything. He, he did everything. Did everything. My brother had like for a long time, I, I don't know if he still has, I don't know where it is, but he had on his wall like an animated Chuck Jones cell from I believe Duck Dodgers. Oh no, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. A porky pig. As number one space cadet. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Okay. A next favorite subject, and what can we say about this guy? But at the time, this guy was the manager of the Chicago White Sox, and at the time, he was the youngest manager in Major League Baseball. And now, ironically, 40-something years later, he's once again the manager of the Chicago White Sox and is the 
oldest manager in Major League Baseball, Tony LaRussa. And his other big claim was he has a law degree. Yes. Really? Yeah, so, so it wasn't just he was the youngest Major League manager, but I believe at that time he was the only manager to have a law degree, to have a JD. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, and this is the because I saw a clip of his appearance recently. He fooled the entire panel. He stumped the entire panel on to tell the truth. And not only that, but the most amazing thing is of the three people. He was the only person not wearing a baseball uniform. You would think that would tip that tip the panel off that he is Tony Arusa. No. And I don't blame them for not knowing who he is in 1980. But the thing is, by about 87, 88, that's when Tony La Russa really hit the big time with the Bash Brothers. And they made a number of World Series. And uh, yes, and then uh, you get even later into the 90s. He had a video game, for heaven's sake. Oh, God. His Sega Genesis game is probably one of the top EA sports games ever. It, it, it ranks very highly. It is a very good uh, sports game. Uh, one of probably my three or four favorite games. Yeah. Nice. And, and the fourth person, well, her episode actually aired on Buzzer a year ago, I think, as part of International Women's <clears throat> Day, or two mm-hmm. years ago. Either a year ago or two years ago. But Rosa Parks. And of course, y'all know her story. We all know her story, of course. But yeah, Buzzer aired her episode as part of a, an International Women's Day marathon. And it was 2019 because I do remember, because this, this was definitely before the podcast, I do remember in that marathon, Mike, they aired the Password Plus episodes with um, Carol Burnett, Vicki Lawrence, and uh, Joanna Gleason and McLean Stevenson that actually just aired this past week on Buzzer. Yeah. Yep. They were all doing it in character. Oh, yeah. I got to say, Vicki Lawrence is a total pro for keeping the kayfabe as mm-hmm. mama. Oh, it was just. Well, they all did a pretty good job keeping the kayfabe. Yep. Yeah. Especially our boy McLean. Yeah. You know, that, that sort of thing would not be tried again until the, like, very, 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 very first season of Celebrity Family Feud that also aired on NBC with Al Roker and the cast. Yeah, on one hand, you have the cast of My Name is Earl completely in character. On the other hand, you have the cast of The Office not in character. Why? What? Exactly! Come on. We want to see Dwight in character. Come on. False. You do not want to see Dwight in character. You want to see the idea of Dwight in character. Yeah. Okay. Our next subject. Oh my god. A legendary name. Especially on the Sunday morning talk show scene. John McLaughlin. He of the famous McLaughlin group. Underwritten by Chubb. Underwritten by Chubb. Now, really, was that Sunday morning? Because we got it here at uh, on Friday nights. 
Well, yeah, we also got it on Friday nights. Well, at least locally, it aired on like Sunday morning here on WNBC. Yeah, so you know what, Greg? I'm sorry to do this to you, but uh, g- given what you said, yeah. Wrong! <laughs> yeah, that's another button I have on the soundboard here, <laughs> uh, and and, and uh, that's Dana Carvey on SNL. That's not really John McLaughlin. By the way. John McLaughlin would play up his character on an episode of Pete and Pete, and it's awesome. You should look at it. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. John. Well, speaking of R.I.P. Oh, oh. yeah. We just lost him a couple, a few months ago. But, oh, another no, we television. We lost him like a, a month ago, like a, a few month weeks ago. ago. Yeah. A few Ano-, weeks ago. yeah. Another television legend, Larry King. Your thoughts, Tracy Jordan, on how this is going to impact Wall Street. Larry, I'm not an expert, but I do have a strong opinion. New York, as we know it, will no longer exist tomorrow. Expand on that. Look, I grew up here, Larry, in the days before Starbucks. And if Wall Street crashes, it'll be the 1970s all over again. People will get mean. The streets won't be safe. It'll be graffiti everywhere. And the movies will only cost $3. Tracy Jordan saying three serious things and then a joke. Yeah, and he was doing radio at that point. Yeah, he wouldn't be on CNN for another couple of years since they just started. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, is he wouldn't join CNN for, I I think, uh, another four or five years at that point. I think he joined in in 85. Uh, In addition to all those celebrities, there's another name that over the last 10 to 15 years has sort of got ingrained in pop culture, And that's Ed Hardy. Ed Hardy was on, the real Ed Hardy was on uh, To Tell the Truth in 1980. And uh, I thought Ed Hardy was just some brand that just popped on the scene like 15 years ago or or 12 years ago. No, Ed Hardy is a very famous tattoo artist. Oh. Yeah, the things you learn uh, watching uh, To Tell the Truth. And he actually had one of, uh, like, a model or somebody that he had done work on modeling his his artwork, his, his tattoo work, and they showed it off after the real Ed Hardy was exposed, for lack of a better word, exposed. But also, on top of that, somebody we've mentioned in the past who uh, was an actor in the 50s and 60s and, and then went to becoming a police officer in the 70s, Ken Osmond. Another oh, person who recently passed away. Oh, yeah. Yes. And yeah, he, he was a subject. And you know what else he was on? Well, he was on Top Cops. I know that much. <laughs> he was on the week of Betsy Hollywood Squares with Gallagher. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to ruin your fun. But yes, he was on uh, Match Game Hollywood Squares that week where it was Leave it to Beaver week. Plus Gallagher for some reason. I'm just going to say this again. A missed opportunity. You could have ended the week with Ken Osmond assisting Gallagher with the watermelon. Have him smash it. The entire crowd in Burbank goes nuts. End of the week. There you go. Yeah, they didn't allow any watermelons on the set that week, sadly. Yep. But yeah, I mean, for a a show that may have flown under the radar a little bit. It had some huge names, especially in retrospect, Rosa Parks, Larry King, Tony La Russa. Th- those are some mighty big names 
And, and to have him on the show in 1980 when, well, obviously Rosa Parks was very famous at that time. You may not have known her face, but everybody knows her story. And, you know, again, Tony Larusa, he was, I don't want to say a nobody, but he was yeah, just starting out. 40 as... years, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over the last mm-hmm. 40 years, he's become a Hall of Famer. And, you know, what can we say about Larry King that hasn't been said over his last, you know, 30 year career or, or the, the 30 years he was at CNN or however long it was? So, do we have anything else to add? Uh, well, maybe we can talk about why it was short lived, maybe. That, that's a good question because it was a really, for all intents and purposes, it was a really solid show, and it, uh, and it just lived up to the lived up to the premise and lived up to the legacy. So, why did it last so short? Well, like I said, uh, I mentioned earlier, the uh, clearances might have been a big issue. I mean, yes, it was in some big markets, but uh, other markets it did not appear in. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, because Tic-Tac-Doe and Jokers would still be the two main draws of syndication, and if I'm not mistaken, there's still the wheel model that they'd have to work with, and I'm thinking this was part of the wheel model, and they would have to cycle in and cycle out shows, and we would be on the tail end of that. I mean, we would be going into, hey, let's buy, forget the wheel model, let's find uh, a show that we can strip. And I just found it interesting. I just thought of this. They got Tom McKee on there who won on a show that wasn't a Goodson Todman show. That that was Barry and Enright. Yeah. Uh, so that's maybe potentially working for your competition there. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of, yeah. Although they're, they're pro- they, they're, there's probably the market that airs both shows, though. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure at that point there's at least one market that aired both shows. But also I think it may have been maybe a little too radical, potentially. Uh, Just, again, going back to the show that you had in the 50s and 60s and 70s, you had some consistency there. It wasn't too, I don't want to say radicalized. I mean, you knew you had Gary Moore there. You know you had Bud Collier there. Uh, and then Joe Garagiola the last year, because obviously, you know, Gary Moore retired for health reasons. Robin Ward was not a known entity like all those folks. I mean, at least, you know, Joe Garagiola comes along. We know who he is as a baseball player, as a commentator, as today's show host. Yeah, he, he did it all. He was but a renaissance Ward, man in TV. He, he was. was. In TV, absolutely. But Robin Ward was, again, an unknown yeah he, he was big in canada but you know you, you weren't really selling this to the canadian market i would assume yeah and the thing of it is when you take away all of the flash because there was a very there was a whole lot of flash here you take away all of the flash it's the same game it's the same game you played in the 70s and the 60s and i guess we wouldn't be able to sort of zhuzh it up or sex it up until uh, John O'Hurley got a hold of it in 2000, 2001. If such a thing was even possible. Yeah. No, you're, you're right there. Yeah, the, the 90s version was very straightforward and, and had a lot of class. And 
And not to say that John O'Hurley was, didn't have class, but it was a little more provocative, let's say. Yeah, let's see. We have the nun who practiced martial arts and the founder of Google. Well, one of the founders of Google. That guy's sleeping on money now. Anyway! And then you have the uh, 2016 version, which is still going on right now, that ABC slept on for a year before they aired it. And when they aired it, it was a really good show. It was a really big hit, and people actually watched it. Yeah. And they've been airing it ever since. They've been following the formula ever since. Yeah, and it's now on five years. And now, because of COVID, they've actually switched the formula up. So instead of four panelists, you have three panelists socially distant. Yeah, and that's sort of historic, if you think about it. Yeah. And also, I'm going to add, I'm making a plea here. To tell the truth, Fremantle Media, get Betty White back on the show before her 100th birthday. And also, just so she can claim that she was on a game show in, I think, eight decades, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that by itself is historic. But if you could get her at 99, assuming that she still has all her mental faculties and her health is, is okay. And she gets the COVID that would, shot. Well, I, I didn't want to say and that. And we all pray she does. Yeah. But I think that would be absolutely a historic moment because I'm sure at that point she would be the oldest celebrity to be on anything ever, or most likely one of the oldest celebrities to be on anything ever. True. Bob Hope wasn't on anything when he turned 100. No. Uh, no, he, he was in bad health at the time. Uh, I thought there was something when George Burns turned 100. I, I don't know if it was just a retrospective, but Might have been I, I just seem a to remember. Yeah, I seem to remember his 100th birthday was was a big one. It was a big one, yes. Come on, Betty. Just make it 11 more months. Come on. Well, I want you to last forever. I want you to be eternal, but let's get to 100. We need Betty White to live until we perfect cyborg technology to the point where she never dies. We, we can have the vivacious head of Betty White. So do we have anything else, gentlemen? I think we covered pretty much everything. We covered the uh, the, the people who did the show uh, in terms of the panelists and, and also the uh, central characters, the, the famous ones. And uh, we talked about why it may not have lasted. And, and we made some very good points on that. Uh, I think uh, we, we might need to put a bow on this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To tell the truth, from 1980, it was the game show you know and loved with a little post-disco flash. Unfortunately, since it only lasted a season, compared to Bud Collier and John O'Hurley and Anthony Anderson and Gary Moore, it was a thing on TV. But what a thing on TV. Yeah, and it had big red. Lots of red. Yeah. No, no, big red, not lots of red, big red. Alan Coulter, silly. Alan uh, Coulter, exactly. Well, uh, I'm obviously getting tired, so nothing left to do but say visit our website. It was a thing on TV for our past episodes, mini shows, and live shows. Links to all of our socials. We are on all the social medias at It Was a Thing on TV. And of course, 
our show is available where fine podcasts can be streamed. And if you are on YouTube, do not forget to smack my bell in order to be continuously updated with future entries. So, what do we have on tap next week? Well, next week we have, of course, last November we had the poll for Election Day on what show we're going to cover after the presidential election. Now, me, I submitted a nominee. Chico submitted a nominee. My nominee won. So as a compromise, Chico's nominee would get a slot in 2021. And that time is now. So next week, we are covering Ace Crawford, Private Eye. Yes. And of course, we're also, as Mike mentioned in the previous show, he's having his money in the bank, which is the TV adaptation of You Don't Know Jack. So we have those to look forward to next week. And we hope you'll be with us right here when we cover those subjects on It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next Monday. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time now for another installment of uh, Alan Coulter's Celebrity Interview. Take it away, Alan. Thank you, Dave. Uh By the way, do you know a good rabbi? (laughs) You know a good rabbi? No, I I, I know. Why why do you ask? Well, I ask because I figured we should get married now that you've given me the hardest screwing I've had since my honeymoon. What? (laughs) Wow. For the love of God, Alan, what are, what are you talking about? Yeah, for the love of God, what oh. are you talking about? Can the bumpkin act, Gomer. You know I've spent months trying to book tonight's guest for Alan Coulter's celebrity interview. Uh-huh. Perhaps they look familiar? Robert De Niro and Dustin Hoffman? Huh? Oh, I'm, sorry. Huh? I'm sorry. De Niro? Hoffman? I'm sorry, Alan. I'm That's very sorry. Uh, hey, hey, not a problem, Dave. Hey, Paul, do you know any Barry White? Now, wait, wait a minute. What does that have to do with this? Well, I thought you might like some mood music next time you spend 20 minutes kissing these guys' asses. Yeah. Oh, Robert. Robert, your, your muscles were so big and raging bull. And Dustin, can, can we take off our shirts and watch Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium? Can we? Come on. Have some dignity, Letterman. If I want to see Dustin Hoffman get jerked off by a senior citizen, I'll rent The Graduate. Uh-oh. Now, uh, Alan, that's... That's not, ex- that's not exactly what happened, Alan. That is exactly what happened. Hey, you got a pencil? Do you? Yeah, I have a pencil right here. What are you? Write this down, cockknob. <laughs> you gank my stash again. I'll punch your wrinkled lips so far down your throat you'll be kissing your own ass. Oh. Hey, Hi. as for you, Fonzie, you cross me again, I'll string you up by your tongue and go Jake LaMotta on your junk. You, you, I'm talking to you. <laughs> and you, Ishtar. I'll kick your nuts so hard, you won't have to tuck your sack to play Tootsie. <laughs>